If you are like me and know that free enterprise is the greatest opportunity in the world, but you also see there are huge issues starting to arise, like why is mentorship decreasing in popularity? Why do entrepreneurs like us who love to succeed see people fail at the top and never leave true significance? And how do people like us make a lasting impact on the world? And is it possible for enough entrepreneurial leaders together to make a real difference? These are the blaring questions, and this podcast is the answer. Journey with me, your host, Christian. Together, we will challenge the status quo and conquer our legacies. Thank you so much for tuning into Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I am your host, Christian D. Evans. And guys, we have someone very special. Uh, and, and guys, I just want to share with you, you know, we've all had our ups and downs a little bit. But this guy right here, he's he's had seven-figure businesses. He's he's slept on the on the streets. Uh, he had divorces. He's he's bounced back. Uh, and, and guys, I want to share with you, you know, he's he's had uh, situations where he was abused when he was a kid to obviously dealing with that abuse to obviously to establish incredible disciplines and systems and processes in his life. And guys, I'm just hitting a small niche to what he's actually accomplished and what he had to go through, uh, going from, you know, boozing to alcohol, to womanizing, to all of a sudden de- uh, developing those disciplines. And so I'm extremely excited to have you on Vikram Dill. I really appreciate you jumping on. How are you doing, my man? Wow. Um, some of those things I'm like, man, is that me? Like, oh, you know, <laughs> kind of cringe a little bit sometimes when you hear some of those things, but I'm doing great, baby. It's uh, it's 9 a.m. on a beautiful Wednesday morning here in Miami. Just moved here a few months ago, which is why I had to move the Roomba and boxes that you saw. Uh, it just moved into a new place and still waiting on the furniture deliveries. And it's been uh, it's been amazing that the journey that the journey that we get to go on in life is truly a gift. And it's unfortunate that people don't realize that the real present in life is presence. And when you become present and you realize that everything in this world that has happened to you has actually happened for you, you get a different appreciation around, around life and around success and around what success means to you. Because everybody's version of success, I mean, some people's success is living in a cabin off the land and just not around a bunch of people, just the, the few people they love. Uh, other people's success is they want to live in the top of the building across the street that's you know $55 million. It, it's your definition of success that matters, but is that, is that success actually bringing you joy? Definitely, definitely. And I really appreciate it, you know, uh, kind of talk about that right off the bat, you know, just being present, being being acknowledged. And definitely in today's world, you know, obviously it's all over the place, right? And it was before this, everybody is all over the place. We're going, we're moving and everything just stopped and we had to be present with our families and stuff like that. So let's dive into that, obviously, sure. you know, from, from your, your history to where you're at now to where you're going. Um, obviously, you, you, you fought with a lot going on. So let's dive into a little bit of your story and how you're able to develop certain disciplines and habits and learn from those experiences. Yeah. I mean, so if we, if we want to go back to childhood, because I I'm a true believer that most of the trauma we carry starts from actually pre-birth. So I I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but I was reading something yesterday and, and you guys can go do your own research on it, but the, the woman's eggs start developing way before they're born, right? It's, it's, it's inside of the mom, but we actually are part of our grandma. So your mom was developing eggs inside a grandma. So your grandma is actually a part of you. So anything that she brings to the table, because, you know, mom's going to carry the trauma. So we're bringing multiple generations of trauma and multiple generations of amazingness into our lives. The minute we're born. Well, our parents aren't perfect. Like I, God, I just wish somebody would have put a bumper sticker out there your parents aren't perfect. They're doing the best. They're going to screw you up. Like, I wish that was like the bumper sticker that the doctor smacked on your butt and like gave you a tattoo on your, your, your butt with, because if that was the case, we wouldn't hold our parents to the standard that is impossible for them to carry. But when you're a little baby, that's what is your, your caretaker. And our parents do our best. I think most parents try their best. They love your they care for you. They do what they think is going to help you. And sometimes they think that, Hey, you need to be tougher. Sometimes they think maybe you need to be softer, whatever the case is, they're going to put their limitations on you. And they're going to do things that unfortunately are going to make you stronger, but you might not realize it at the time because you feel like, why me? My parents sent us to boarding school. It sucked. You know, there was maggots in the food. There was 
you know, the toilets didn't flush. It was pretty gross. My older brother and I had completely different experiences. He was like the basketball star with the Jordan. So everybody thought he was like literally Michael Jordan. And he was, he was a savage on the court. Like, I mean, he was a savage and he was strong and tough. And um, I was just like the nerdy little kid that wasn't the Jordans didn't have all the cool things going on like he did. And I saw the school differently. And I saw maybe more of what the school was. And I, and I saw at a young age that your parents are, and I didn't realize it until years and years of therapy, but your parents are doing things to try to give you a better life. But sometimes they screw up. Sometimes they're slow, right? Sometimes they make the mistake. And I learned in like sixth grade that I was going to have to fight for myself. <clears throat> I was going to have to make my own money. I was going to have to feed myself. I was going to have to figure out how to stay clean, right? Like the basics that we take for granted here in America, I was at a young age, like, holy crap, like we have to ration water. Like I had to protect my Snickers bars in my locker because the kids would rip the lockers from the bottom open to get into the, into the candy st uh, stock. I mean, it was like, these are things that I, I grew up in the back of a Mercedes. My dad's a doctor. He makes a shitload of money, right? Like, you know, like I didn't expect to have that lifestyle when I went to India. We, we saw the brochures. It was, you know, this lush green stuff and big, beautiful campuses and food and everybody had their own bathroom stall. Like it was crazy, right? Into the school that we actually went to. So I realized that like you can be painted a picture of success and then you end up here, which is like, woo. And it took me a long time. Like I still have PTSD when I go to India. I get super sick. Uh, my body just still rejects going to the country because I'm, I still haven't dealt with all the trauma. And it, it's hard because my parents are like, oh, you're just making that up. And I'm like, I literally get on an airplane. I start sweating bullets. And then I can't like, I have diarrhea and I vomit for 30 days in a row. Like it's not making it up. Like it's just, it's like, it's real mom. And you know, if they would accept it a little bit more, it would probably help us as children, but they did the best. And it made me so powerful because it allowed me to see the world one. It allowed me to see the other side of the world too. It allowed me to develop skills at sixth grade that like are going to take me through life. My, my parents had, I had a transformer suitcase. I was always kind of independent. I had a transformer suitcase. And when I was, you know, four or five years old, I would run away to the neighbor's house. So I always had this like little freedom, you know, machismo attitude, like, but it, it really hit home when I was there and my brother and I had to like, you know, I was like, how do I, how do I feed us? Right. Like, how do we survive? Like, how do we get these little neighborhood kids running around to go to the shops and bring us food, bring us eggs, bring us dumplings? Like, how do we, how do we figure out these situations? And then I got my teachers to let me sleep in class. I told them I was going to get them green cards to America. And there's like these little pre-written letters. And so I'd let them write like on a pencil, like, you know, the first paragraph. And I would tell them like, oh, my parents are so excited. They're so excited. You know, they can't wait to get you over here. I just BS and I'm dude. And I would just get to class and sleep, um, you know, and it was just, it was just a part of the world we live in. You know, my, my dad loves us. He does his best, but you know, he said the other day, he's like, I don't even know if I loved my father. Like I, I respected him. It was, it was the discipline. He was a military man. He's like, but I don't know if I really loved my dad. And I was like, holy crap. Like if you would have started that 25 years ago, we would have a different trajectory, but I don't know if I would be the man I am today that has the empathy and the compassion and the sight, right? Like I tell people that God blessed me with four eyes so I could see the world in a different lens. <laughs> Yeah. And I see the world totally different than the 99% of the population. Like everybody's like, you know, oh my God, Tesla is the greatest company in the world. I'm like, but Tesla makes a bunch of like batteries that are really bad for the environment. Like you need electricity that's still being powered by, like you, you got to look deeper into things. And I think because of my experiences growing up, it's allowed me to look into situations differently where I just don't accept status quo because I don't trust it because of what I've seen. Well, I find that very interesting that you mentioned that a little bit because, you know, most people, they, they have those negative situations that happen, like all that crap that you've, you've got to deal with. And then they never look at it in a positive way. And I'm, I'm actually intrigued because you, you look at it in an optimistic way, like because of the, the, the crap, I've been able to look at it through a, you know, optimistic view, if you will, and you look at things differently and you're taking that. So was that always like that? Or did that just recently happen? Or what did that look like that transition to, oh, wow, this is crap. I hate this. 
but also it became, like you said, it became the man that you are now. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey as well. That's an interesting question. And, uh, you know, I haven't really, I don't know if I really thought about that that much, which is interesting. I, I don't, I guess I've always been positive. I've always had a high level of energy. I, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always been the kid that just makes you laugh, right? Like I just, that was just who I was, right? I'm just like, what, what my coach calls me, she says, you're a, what does she say? Uh, my archetypes are a innocence hero. So you want to make sure that everybody's taken care of, but you also want to make sure that everybody's having a good time while doing it. So you take care of everybody. You're, you're the hero, but you have that kid-like innocence where you can just do silly things and you can make people laugh. You can make people smile, right? When people are sad, like they can open up to you because you're not threatening to them, but they also know that you're going to be able to give them some sort of good advice because I've been through a lot of things. I think it's because I've been through therapy that I've been able to unravel it. I just, I guess I've always seen the world as a blessing. I've been around some really cool people. My grandpa was an immigrant. My grandma was an immigrant. They came to this country at like 14 and 17. They worked their ass off. I'm not allowed if I, can I swear here? Go ahead, bud. Okay. <laughs> I should have asked that earlier. Um, but he just, I, I remember when he was, a, when I was, I don't know, nine, seven, eight, he was a farmer. So the levees that held the water back in the day one of the levees broke and the cops call, Hey, you're flooding the street. You need to get, you guys need to get out there. So he's quiet. We're all, he they had a three bedroom house. They had seven kids, three bedrooms, two bathrooms. And then there was like 10 grandkids. So when we go over, it's just this big, beautiful slumber party where the kids are all in the living room. Like parents are everybody's everywhere. Right. It's just a zoo. And I was a quiet sleeper. So I hear somebody rustling around and I kind of pop my head up. I see grandpa putting on his work boots. I'm like, Gramps, where are you going? He's like, oh, the levee broke. I said, oh, hey, well, you got like a thousand of workers, right? Like, why are you doing it? And it was a level of responsibility. He said, it's my farm. I got to be out there first. He says, if I let them come an hour later, all the water is going to be gone. I was like, can I go with you? He's like, yeah, you're going to get your new Nikes dirty or whatever. Your new <laughs> shoes are going to get dirty. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I get to spend time with you. And we went out there. He threw me a shovel and we started shoveling dirt. And by the time the workers got there, we had patched the hole. And then they fortified it, made it all strong again. And we came back to the house two hours later. Mom's like, where'd you guys go? And I'm like, hands are all muddy. I feel like a man, right? Like a little boy got a couple calluses. I said, we fixed the levee, mom. Yeah. And I just remember him telling us the stories of how hard it was. Right. My mom telling me the story about how she was like, she actually dealt with real racism, like where she was beat up by the boys, not even girls, like the boys would beat her up. Right. And so one day she just beat the hell out of one of the kids. And, you know, this principal called your daughter beat up one of the boys. You can't be doing that. And he's like, OK, I'll, I'll talk to her. And then she's like, that's a high five from dad. Don't ever let anybody treat you like that. Right. And I just remember his stories about how they struggled and how they overcame and then how he has pictures with like, you know, I mean, if I could be half as successful as he was. And then keep the success in life. I would be more than more than more than happy. But uh, he he just really saw the world as a very positive thing, right? My grandma, even to this day, she's just like super positive. She's been living without him for over ten years now. She runs the farm. She's leased it out. She's, you know, I'm like grandma. How do you? You don't even know how to read. Like you literally can't read. And you're seventy five, almost eighty years old like almost 80 now she is 80 she's 80 something and i'm like and you still run this farm you take care of your family like you're still you, you like how do you do that and she's just got the mindset like i'm gonna die on this farm i came to this country on this farm she's lived in one house it was this house like that's just how it is and she's just positive like she sings and dances and has a good time and i guess i've been blessed that i've seen people grow up like that, you know, like my, my, all my rich dad, his saying is the best is yet to come. And he's very rich, right? Like Robert Kiyosaki levels times five. And his saying is the best is yet to come. And if you ask him about like the political landscape and what's going on in the world today and what's, what, it, what does he think about it? He's like, I got opinions, but I just don't talk about them. I'm like, why? He's like, 
because there's so much opportunity, why waste my energy on something that I'm not going to go and try to make a difference in? Hmm. Like, oh, that's interesting. Like, put your energy into things that you actually are going to change, right? Otherwise, just let the noise be the noise. He's like, I've been through so many cycles in life, ups and downs. I've almost lost it all. I've, you know, I've lost millions before. You know, when you when you put yourself through really challenging situations or you've been put in challenging situations and you see you can overcome them, you have a different view about the strength of your mind and your body and your soul and your purpose. Mm-hmm. So well, are- see, and I and I really appreciate you saying that because I mean you, you just had some really good, you know, bombshells on that, which you just said. And now let's kind of dive into one one specific thing that you were mentioning as well is you know, uh the the ability to um Resilient is the is the whole key point behind that, but also taking your your energy and really focusing it because obviously that's what you you were doing right. You were uh, you know womanizing and, and boozing and all this stuff. That's what you said in, in, in your in your in your uh, uh, you know your, your did, did bio. I, did, did I say that? <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. And, and one of the things is is obviously being able to then you know take that uh, energy right and focus it into the accomplishment that you have, the real estate, the seven figure businesses, uh, the successes that you've had. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that and how you able to maybe take some of the, your, your grandfather kind of mentality and resilience and, and really being able to dial that in and focus. I'd love to hear a little bit more of that story and that journey process. So that's a, man, these are some great questions. I, if you've ever read the book, Think and Grow Rich, they talk about the transmutation of sexual energy. And the reason why most men start to hit their, their, you know, their successes in their mid to late thirties, early forties is because they've learned to stop chasing, um, women, right. They learned to stop and focus that energy, right there. This is an interesting topic. I don't know if your audience is mainly women or men, but there's a thing called semen retention and it's where you, you can have sex, you can have an intimate moment, but you don't have a physical orgasm as a man. Because when a man has an orgasm, he shoots out life force energy and the woman receives it. And then, you know, beautiful things happen, which is why we're here. When a woman has sex, she's giving off life force energy. So she is popping up out of bed. She's like, hey, let's go to the movies. Let's go to the beach. Let's go here. And you're like, I need a nap for half an hour, right? Like I need a sandwich and a nap, right? It's not because of we're lazy. It's just that when we perform in that way and we give out our life force energy, we are giving out the ability for a new life to be created, which takes a lot out of a body, right? So like, that's why animals in the wild don't just procreate for fun. Only humans do that. They do it because it's a, it's something they need to do. Um, or, you know, they're sometimes they're backed up too much and they're like, they need a release, but that's, that happens naturally for them. We do it because we have a sensation of feeling, right? That's why we eat sugar. That's why we eat desserts. That's why we drink Coca-Cola because it makes us instantly feel good, right? The little dopamine hits. If you learn how to take that sexual energy and, and, and in the book, Napoleon Hill talks about how typically highly sexualized people are the most successful is because that energy is so powerful, right? That, that force to create, that force to to mate is so powerful that if you can take that and bring it back inside of you and you can harness it, you can focus that in and that's all creative, right? That's life force creation energy. So if you can take that energy and create something with it, other than having sex, right? Like if you're not trying to make a baby, then you're wasting life force energy every time you have a physical orgasm as a man. Now in our culture that we live in and with, the, the teachers of sex being porn, right? We don't have good sexual education. We don't have good conversations around money and sex at home, which is interesting because those are like the most important things, which are also the most taboo things. So I learned how to watch, I learned about sex through porn and I'm like, yeah, you gotta like do this and that. And I'm like, y- then you start actually having sex with a woman that's not a porn star. And she's like, no, that's not how it happens. And I'm like, wait, what? But that's how, but I watched it on TV. And like, I thought everything that was on TV was real. They're like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not, no, it's not a jackhammer. We're, we're, we're not here to like do these things. Like this isn't real life. And I got educated, you know, by my girlfriends over the years. 
but I also was so insecure that I used women because I was rejected as a child for dates. And I was told these things that I, um, I took that out. My divorce was disgusting. Like my marriage was wow. Holy craziness. I was broken as a man and a broken man is a dangerous man because a broken man that's, they will do crazy things. And I thought women were there for my joy and pleasure. And I, you know, I, I wasn't horrible to them, but I just, I had a lot of fun and it was about me. And I've been learning that that's not the way you perform. Like that's not how you get a life of fulfillment because I would see my friends that were in their sixties and seventies and eighties, a lot of money cry at night because their families don't talk to them cry at night because they're still single and they have nobody like they know they're going to die and they have nobody there around them that actually cares about them. Right. And it's like, Holy crap. I thought this is what the Holy grail was become Hugh Hefner. And so my mid thirties, I had this like huge epiphany. Cause I was like, I've been doing it the wrong way. So people are like, Oh, you're so old. You're almost 40 and you're not married. You don't have kids. I'm like, dude, I just started this journey like four years ago where I actually started seeing the world in a different view. But if you can take that energy that you're expending on other things and you can bring it in and you can become super focused for short periods of time, right? Like what I coached, what I'm getting coached on currently by, by one of my coaches is how do you do small blocks of time? Cause I always wanted to do like two and a half hour, three hour block of time. And he's like, Vikram, I love your energy, but dude, you're a human being. Like you can do 60 minute blocks. And then you take a break and then you come back, you do another 60 minute block then you take a break and then you come back and then you do a 90 minute block. You take a break, you come back. He's like, even when you bike, like your hundred mile bike rides, you're not going six hours straight. I'm like, no, we go about 90 to 120 minutes, an hour and a half to two hours. And we stop. He's like, exactly. You need to reset your body. He's like, so do short 60 to 90 minute sprints and go outside, take a break, come back. This is a Marine. So he's, he, he, he scares me, but that's why I hired him. <laughs> and he literally was like, you need to put like, he showed me his calendar. He's like recovery time nap today. I'm like, why are you taking a nap, dude? I thought you didn't sleep. He's like, no, I get six hours at least. And when I get six hours, I take a 45 minute nap in the day. Cause I would need my seven to seven to eight hours to perform at the levels I perform to show up for you the way I show up and all the other things mm-hmm. that he's got his hands in. And I'm like, so hold up, dude, you as a Marine, one of the most disciplined humans I've ever met, your schedule is full of like family time, entertainment, stupid time, Netflix time, video game time, two hours of working out every day, recovery time and all the work you do. He's like, yeah. I'm like, what time do you wake up at two o'clock? He's like, no, I get up at five, just like you. I'm like, what time you go to sleep at? He's like, probably around the same time as you nine 30. How in the hell do you have all this time? He's like, because I do short hours of concentrated work. He's like, I'm not trying to be you. That's like proving to the world that I'm the greatest. He's like, you got to get that chip off your shoulder. Mm. And that's what I did when I was younger. I had another coach that would keep me to about a 90 minute time block. And then we would take a break and then a 90 minute time block. And then we'd take a break and then a 90 minute time block. Because after about four to five hours of work, your quality diminishes. And if you don't go outside midday, if you don't have a conversation with somebody you care about, if you don't stop working the second half of your day, you might work for eight hours more, but at 25%, you could have just put that on hold, worked for two hours at 50 or 60 or 70% and had six more hours of your life to do things that you actually are joyful for. So every day you have to put something on your calendar that you find joy in. Every day, you have to put something on your calendar that you can increase your health in. Every day, you have to put something on your calendar where you're focusing on the things that are the most important needle-moving activities every day. And so when I, when I was younger, like my mid-30s, I would write my goals down every day and every night, right? Morning and evening. I would, mm-hmm. I, I've never been like a big journaler, but I would write down things that like I visualizations that I wanted my life to be like. Right. And I remember I was like, oh my God, I want to have a million dollar business. I want to have a million dollar business. I want to make a billion dollar business. And all of a sudden, like you have a million dollar business and you don't even think about it. But if I look back through my notes, I'm like, holy crap, that happened like 18 months after I started writing that down every single day. It just happens. It's like, 
you know, I have an energy coach and we talk about money and she's like, how much money do you want to make Vikram over the next three months? And I'm like, I want to make X amount of dollars per month. I was like, okay, cool. She's like, don't ask the universe where it's going to come from. Just make the goal, put it out there and then just rip it up and burn it. She's like, don't ignore it. Like you got to do the activities, but just kind of forget about it. I'm like, okay, that sounds easy to do. I got a call from an old client. She's like, Hey, come list my house. I'm not really actively selling real estate. She's like, Hey, come list my house. And I'm like, okay, well, she actually, the conversation started. She wanted advice to hire another agent. I'm like, yo, I it's like $1.5 million house. I can do this. She's like, you haven't sold a house in years. I'm like, I can do this. Like I've sold a lot of houses, lady. I got this. She's like, but you don't even live in Seattle. I'm like, I got this. I saw the house the day. Literally, I saw the house the day we went live for the first time in person. Like I'm writing the marketing remarks for the MLS in the guy's kitchen. I'm like, okay, so tell me how many bathrooms are in the house and blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, cool. He's like, we got this, we got that. I'm like, oh, we probably should have put that in the brochures, right? But I knew that none of that really mattered because I've sold enough houses. I knew that pretty pictures get people in and then the details they'll get from me once I'm doing the open house. Because I, in my mind, I said, I'm going to fly up there. I'm going to double in the deal and I'm going to get you guys an obscene amount of money for the house. And I just visualized that for months. I double ended the deal. I got an obscene amount of money and I got a bonus on the house. And she's like, <laughs> you haven't sold a house in how many years? I'm like, I don't know, two. She's like, and you just walk in here. Like it's, I was like, it's like riding a bike. I was a little wobbly at first, but practice, we role played, we focused, we energized, boom, we charged and we did. She's like, that's crazy. She's like, that's crazy. Like I, I would like nobody in the neighborhood would have expected this to happen. I'm like, I know, but that's why you set yourself with a goal. And then you give yourself the bonus, right? Cause then you have something else to strive for. You just have a little bit more to strive for. And it's the same thing when it comes to focusing your energy, the goal is to get the money-making activities done. The bonus is the fun stuff you get to do. It's the date night with your spouse. It's getting to play video games with your kids. Not because you like video games. They're going to kick the snot out of you. It's because you like being with your kids, doing stuff that your kids enjoy. It's being able to put your phone on silent mode. Like if you guys see my phone, it's on silent. Well, you can't, but it's silent, right? My phone's on silent and I put it away because I know that I have an hour with you. And then I know afterwards, one of the things that I'm working on, he's called it, uh, he calls it NBT time, I believe, like new study time, new, new activity time. And that's like, cause I was telling him, I'm like, dude, I want, I'm, I'm, I got a lot of money in crypto right now, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's just like put money here, put money there. The market goes up, the market goes down. I don't have stop losses. I don't have like the, all the stuff that's, you know, easily available. I don't even know how to trade some of the coins that I own right now. Like I bought them and I forgot how to trade them. I'm like, dude, I don't, he's like, yeah, you don't have an SOP for that. He's like, so you have a, you put an hour in your day where it's to learn a new skill. He's like, and your new skill that you're learning is how to trade crypto. I'm like, I can put that in my day. He's like, yeah, Vikram, you can put whatever you want in your day. I'm like, so I could, I could block out an hour for stupid time and an hour to learn crypto. He's like, yeah, and you can put them back to back and your stupid time could be crypto time still because you're not working. You're having, is it fun? I'm like, oh my God, it's so exciting. He's like, do you have like, I don't have a TV in my place. Like, I don't, you know, he's like, you, you work out in the morning, you do your bike rides. Like that's, you know, you're already covering a lot of the things that you can combine. He's like, but you got to master the calendar. He's like, the energy's there. The knowledge is there. And for most of my clients, the energy's there. The knowledge is there. It's just putting the recipe together as Tony Robbins would say, everybody's trying to put the, everybody's trying to put the, the oven on, but they forget to put the ingredients in the pan. You know, so the ingredients are sprayed out all over the counter. They're like, well, I got the flour and I got the pumpkin. I got the shell and I got the whipped cream and the oven's on and the pan's up. Like I put the pan into the oven for 45 minutes and I come out and everything's still on the counter. And it's like the fan got turned on. So the flour's all over the house. And I'm like, ah! like, I love Lucy <laughs> stuffing the chocolates into her shirt. Right. And the conveyor belt keeps yeah. going faster and faster and faster. And instead of people saying, stop, slow down. She's just shoving him into her shirt, her pants, her pockets. You know, she's got <laughs> chocolate all over her. She's eating them. Like that's what people do with their businesses. They speed up everything. They put more shiny pennies in front of them. They add more marketing. They add more, more that, more this, more that. 
but they're not putting the recipe together. Mm. And so when you stop and slow down, you actually get to speed up. Wow, that's brilliant, brilliant. I mean, you you said a lot of the stuff there, going from uh, from from that from that energy to semen energy to obviously focusing that energy. But like you said as well, I I really love what you said there specifically uh, because it's so so powerful. Uh, and I think I'm even hitting that right now. Even I know a lot of my my. Uh, listeners right now are hitting that right uh you you may have the the, the ceo the you know uh, cfo the c uh, cmo all those hats on and right. it's just going 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 and you're hustling and you got a seven-figure business but it's like man i don't have time for you know the thing the reason why i actually have time you know i, I want to spend more time with my kids my my yeah. family and i built a business to have freedom but now it's not free it's it's just this concept so let me let me talk about this here so yeah how did you intentionally slow down and then gain control of these systems, implement these systems, maybe automating, maybe delegating, maybe really focusing, because I know it takes some time because obviously someone like yourself, you're go, go, go energized. You want to just keep moving to the next thing. Uh, that's awesome. But how do you intentionally slow down? Definitely from, from, you know, some like a personality like yours, that's going, going, going all the time. And I know a lot of, a lot of my listeners are very similar to yourself. No, bro. That's just the, that's just the two cups of, uh, uh, bulletproof <laughs> coffee in the morning. Yeah. I, it's funny. You know, people are like, you have a system to make coffee. I'm like, yeah, I, I boil the water in the pan and the, in the, in the thing. And I get the French press. I half decaf, half regular. I put it in the pan afterwards. I stir it. I blend it. I add butter and collagen. They're like, you have a process for making coffee. I'm like, everything's the process in life. Like I don't, I wake up and I know what I'm going to do. So I don't have to think about it. Right. Like I write down my morning routines, right. I write down my night routines right? Like you just write down everything. You just make an SOP for life because when you have an SOP, there's a thing called uh, decision fatigue. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of decision fatigue. I have not. No. no. Okay. So Steve jobs, right? Always wore what? Uh, just a black, you know, uh, t-shirt. Uh, and then as well as those, those pants. Yeah. Why? Cause it wasn't, you, you didn't have to make a decision. Same with Mark Zuckerberg, the gray, you know, and, and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Zuckerberg. The only thing that Zuckerberg does is he hides his little horn sound into his head in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why do these, why do these people that are so wildly successful that can wear the Gucci's and the Prada's and the Louis and the, whatever you want, why do they wear such simple clothing? Because think about it. If I got to pick out my shirt in the morning, I got to pick out my pants in the morning. I got to pick out my boxers in the morning. I got to pick out the color of the socks to match. I got to pick out the watch, right? That's like seven decisions right there, right? Oh, what am I going to put in my coffee? Am I going to put this? Am I going to put that? No, it's already done. Like you do it the night before you pull it out. Like I'm not saying don't have style, right? I love bright clothes, but I just think if you do that the night before, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, okay, my underwear's out. My socks are out. My box, uh, my sh shoes are out. My pants are out, my shirt's out, my tie's out. If you wear a tie, my jacket's out, right? If it's cold out, the scarf's out, the jacket that I'm going to, the warm coat's out, the umbrella's there if you're in a rainy place, right? If you have that already laid out the night before, when you wake up, that's one less set of decisions. Because at the end of the day, you have what's called decision fatigue. And it's why hospitals have so many cases of malpractice because the nurses work 12 hour shifts. How many hours can you be on your feet making life changing, life altering decisions before you just confuse Vikram with Christian? Oh shoot, did I give, was he supposed to get the morphine or was I supposed to pull the plug on that guy? Oh my God, what the hell has happened here? <laughs> Two people just died, why? Because I made one decision wrong. And we have this thing called decision fatigue. When everything's a big deal in life, what is actually a big deal isn't a big deal. When everything is important in life, everything's important. Like you have to like think about all these decisions for hours and hours and hours and hours. Well, in my life, like nothing's really that important. I'm like I wake up, I'm able to wipe my butt, I'm able to drink my water, like I'm able to take a shower, I'm able to work out. Like it's pretty simple. Right. It's like, I, it's like simplicity adds the ability to, to, to focus and move quick, but 2015, my life was almost like almost came to an end. 
I had a really hot, awesome, smart girlfriend that I was just a total douche to. And one night she was like, I'm tired of this crap. Like there's a guy that's been trying to get after me for years. Like my boyfriend's a total a-hole. Um, we were fighting. I wasn't treating her the way that I should be. And she was at a club, she was drinking and they, you know, hooked up. I get a call from somebody and it's like, Hey, you're da 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 da. And I was like, what the funk? How did this happen? But it wasn't like, it wasn't the fact that something happened. It was the fact that something happened and other people saw it because I was like this dude that always wore a suit that everybody knew. And I was like, so into my own self and persona that that kind of forced me to slow down. Right. I had a year where I was literally on house arrest because we lived, you know, a block away from each other. And if I saw her out, the cops would show up at my door because she would call the cops and say, he's out here trying to kill me. And I'm like, dude, I'm like literally at Whole Foods. <laughs> I'm buying groceries. Like, I, I'm not stalking you. Like, I, I'm, we literally live a block away from each other in downtown. Like there's but. I had to go inwards like that was my first lockdown. The judge then gave me um, a very, 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 you know, well-deserved 30 days in jail. Um, wow. We were able to do right. And I was like, dude, I didn't even like the shit that people talk about that they walk away from. I'm like, how did I get right? But it wasn't, it wasn't that it happened to me. It happened for me. So every night I had to check myself into jail and every morning I got to check myself out, go to work every night, check myself in every night, check myself out, check in, check out. Right. I was. I was, I was on a, uh, I was on a leash and I started reading books in there. Right. Because there's no TV there. And like, you know, like I, I had this little crew of people that I got to do my motivational speeches to. So it was kind of fun. Right. It was like a good experience. I think everybody should try it once or twice. Maybe, maybe once is enough for most people. And, <laughs> and I, I started learning. And I remember on the 30th day, my last day there, this was a trip. I came out six o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting in the cold Seattle you know, I rented a car because I wasn't going to bring my other car there. And I'm sitting there, car's empty. There's no balloons. There's no family. There's nobody. I was alone. I'm like, and it gives me chills because I started crying. And I'm like, wow, you've raced your whole life to just get to a point where you're alone, where there's nobody here on the day that everybody knew you were coming out and that you didn't have to check yourself in. Like you get to bring your little tiny Tim garbage bag out with you all your, you know, your, your one, one bin of possessions. And like, I just started crying, just start crying. Like I almost ripped the steering wheel off the car. I was like, this is fucked up, man. Like everybody knows you, but nobody knows you. Everybody knows you, but nobody wants to be around you. Everybody knows you, but you have no friends. You have no family. You've pushed everybody away for what the pursuit of money. For, for money, like for money, like I've lost everything for money. Like I almost lost my real estate license, which would have shut my business down. The girl that was like the girl, my dreams never spoke to her again. Like she, mm. per she, she purposely made her way to court to make sure that I got jail time. Right. That was like a mission of hers because I caused a lot of pain. Mm. Right. It's just, it's just karmic balance, right? Like the world said, Hey, you're a dick. Like money doesn't make you a good person. Being a good person makes you a good person. Having money just shows you under a magnifying glass who you really are. And I started my journey uh, of self-development, like real self-development, you know, 35 years old. Everybody's like, you're really old to go to jail. I was like, I know that. I'm like, some people are more blessed than others. You know, like some people are more blessed than others. Some people never get to go to jail and they never get to grow up and they never get to see the light. And they go from one bad relationship to another bad relationship to another bad. It's like, I think I was just in divine timing. And so when you have to spend a lot of time thinking about yourself, I mean, I went from 180 pounds CrossFit to 140, couldn't get a heart on, right? Lost 45 pounds in three weeks. And I had this girl that was like, oh, Vikram, what you did is like my brother's daily routine. Like, you're fine. Like, let's go on dates. I'm like, all right, cool. We broke up because we couldn't have sex. Well, I couldn't get it up because I, my testosterone levels was that of like a 55 or of a 95 year old dead woman. 
It was like a, uh, my dad, te- my dad's a doctor. He tested my testosterone. It was like 48 or 98 or something, which is like pre- basically dead. So I had to literally start to rebuild myself back up to being a man that I wanted to be because I had become soft. I'd become a dangerous man. And from there, I've done a lot of really challenging things. Like I've done the project with Bedros Koulian, which is 75 day, 75 hours of just hell. And I got kicked out of that because I was a douche. And it's like, how many times do you have to get kicked out of something because you just don't listen? And when you, when you go inwards, it allows you to see outwards way differently because it allows you to stop and say, Hey, why did God, right? Why did the universe, I don't care what you believe in, but you know, if you don't believe in something, you're probably not my friend. Um, why did they put us through all of this stuff just to keep putting us through more unless there was a bigger purpose. And it's the stories that we get to share with others to let them know one, they're not alone. And two, that if I can do it, you can do it. Like I came from a great household, you know, my dad's a doctor. He makes a shitload of money. He lives in a huge house. Like I didn't grow up like with parents that came in and out of the system, right? The jail system. I didn't grow up with abusive family members, right? Physically abusive. You know, there was abuse in our household, but there's abuse in every household. And so the way you, the way you realize like what's important is you do tough shit every day. You physically push yourself so that you get the mental strength, right? Like David Goggins, you know, there is no finish line. You fail, you get up because failure isn't about failing. It's about not failing is given a there's wrong terms. If you get an F at school, but you go to tutors afterwards, you're a success. That's just a moment in time of where you are at. It's not who you are. It's not what you are. It's just a moment in time of where you are at. It's just a snapshot. It's just a snapshot of your bank account at that moment in time. That doesn't mean that you're poor. It just means that you were broke at the time. That doesn't mean that your mindset's broken. It was just broken at the time. You didn't have the tools. You didn't have the drills. You didn't have the knives. You didn't have the screwdrivers, right? you like, you know, you didn't have all the different bits that you needed to put the furniture together. You're missing a couple of pieces. It doesn't mean you're a bad piece of furniture. It just means that, you know, Ikea forgot to ship you the whole set. You just call the customer service. They send you the pieces. It takes a few weeks to get there, right? We're at a global shortage because all of our ships are, you know, all of our, all of our stores are empty of, of goods right now. We're on a global shortage. It might take a little bit longer, but you go inwards. You do the work daily. You do the reflection daily. You rate yourself daily, right? You rate yourself daily. Like, how did I perform today in my business and my relationships and my fitness and my personal life, right? How did I perform? And when you rate yourself, right? Don't beat yourself up. Like never give yourself a one. This is what I tell my clients. Never give yourself a one because you didn't murder anybody. (laughs) Never give yourself a 10 because you're never perfect. And don't use the number seven because seven's a cop out because you don't want to say you're eight because you're being humble or you don't want to say you're a five because you're embarrassed. So like, those are my three rules. Like the scale really should be like two to 9.9 minus seven and one to 10. And when you rate, when you rate yourself with like a little bit of grace, a little bit of humility, you're like, okay, I really wasn't a seven today. I was really a five. And here's why. Okay. Today was a nine. Like, you know, I got to have a great conversation with somebody like about something that mattered. Right. And you start to realize like, I'm not as bad or I'm not as good in these areas as I think you can decide, do I want to be better in that area? Mm. Like I, I don't think everybody needs to be the greatest administrative person in the world, but they need to know how to delegate to somebody who is great in that area. Not everybody needs to be the greatest salesperson in the world, but they need to delegate those tasks to somebody like me that loves selling. So, and I, and I really appreciate you diving in and being really vulnerable and really sharing that. that that's very vulnerable of you. And I really appreciate you sharing that with our audience. Uh, Vikram, though, let me ask you, was there someone beside you that came alongside you that saw value in you or was that? Was that just yourself pulling yourself up by the bootstraps or were there some people, influencers that helped you through that said, Hey, I see value. I see you, you can do it. You're, you're accomplished. Or was that more of the, like, like you said, just reading those books and going internal and, and consuming that content and then came out and said, Hey, you know what? I got this. I can. No, that, that there is, there is always, 
when people say I'm self-made, I'm like, ah, if you lived in a, in a, in a, in a forest and you literally never saw another human, I might believe that there's always other people. When I shared my story with a few of the people that I was, you know, that were mentors to me in real estate, I said, Hey guys, this is what's going on right now. Like I'm freaking one. I feel like hell because I hurt some human being that I cared about truly. Like I, I love this girl, right? Like I cared a lot about her. I just didn't know how to love her. Cause I didn't love myself. And they said, dude, Vikram, from, from what you did from like a personal standpoint, right? Like you, you did some property damage, right? You're an emotional state. You you've gone through some stuff. You haven't worked through all your stuff. You're just a, you're just a man that's passionate about life. You made mistakes. You weren't the greatest boyfriend. Like you're not a bad dude. You just made some bad choices. Like, let me tell you about what we did, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, holy crap. Right. There there's people I know that had disputes in their household where one of them ended up in jail for the night, because when a dispute happens in a domestic situation, somebody's going to go to jail. And so like my mom was saying, Hey, well, you know, so-and-so I'm like, yeah, she went to jail. I'm like, for what mom? Like, wait, why? She's so nice. Like, well, they got in a fight one night and cops came out and one of them had to go to jail. And the person that goes to jail is a person that is the crazy one at the household instigating the fight. Nobody got hit. Nobody got beat up. Nobody got hurt, but it just takes one person going a little off the chart for 30 seconds for something really bad to happen. And I'm like, Holy crap. Like I'm not this broken effed up human being. And she's like, no, like it's just, you know, things happen. Um, I kind of forgot what your question was. Well, yeah, I, mean, I was just asking, like, is there some influencer that, that came alongside you that helped you through that process as well? Uh, and, and, and it sounds like um, you, you had yes. a few of those people that helped. You. Yes. Awesome. Pe pe people reached out and in your times, it wasn't the people who you think it's going to be. It's the people who you kind of least expect it to be. And there's been people along the way. And I've even recently, about a year ago, I shared with my, with my rich, rich dad, all the things that I've been through in life from selling drugs to going to jail through why the divorce, like, and he had tears in his eyes and he's like, why didn't you tell me earlier? It's like, how do you tell somebody who's so successful that has such a great family about all of your F ups? And he's like, you think my life is perfect kid. And it just like hit me and I had tears and he had tears and like, we just had this moment. And ever since then, like, I mean, this is a guy that's got 2000 employees and it, it could be on the Forbes list. He sends me messages and we were just hanging out a couple of days ago. And he says, you know, I don't send messages to all my, everybody. Like I only send messages to like those who I, I feel connected to. And I feel are, are they appreciate it and that they're going to actually do something great. And he's like, we've always believed in you. You know, I had a manager that said the same thing. He's like, Vikram, you made a mistake. It's not who you are. It's a snapshot of where you were at in the moment. Mm -hmm. You checked yourself into therapy, right? You got, you're, you're cleaning up your alcohol stuff, right? Like keep doing these things and whatever happens, we'll figure it out. Like if, if your license goes away, then we'll, you know, like we'll figure something out. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I was blessed that knock on wood, that there was a lot of people that came out of the woodworks that showed up in different places to say, Hey, you're not a bad person. You just did some bad stuff. Mm. Like if you keep well, see, doing that, that's your, that's your, if you keep doing, sorry to cut you off. He's like, say, if you keep doing no. that, then that becomes your character. But if this is a one-time event, two-time event, but you you get the help around it, then that just means you you're adding the bits to your drill to be a better drill. Yeah. Well, and I really appreciate, and again, like I said, you know, I just appreciate you being vulnerable because what, what is, what's allowed me to understand a little bit more is when people become more vulnerable, you start realizing that there's other people out there that have experienced the same thing as you have. And then they can, they're, they're the ones that can lead you through that, that, that crap. And there are the ones that are experiencing it now that then you can be a mentor, just like you are right now. You're, you're teaching, you're, you're sharing your story. And I think that's, what's so freeing about in today's world. It's like you, you can have like Vikram, I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, so obviously, see, uh, you know, um, wh where can they reach out to you? How can they reach out? How, how can my audience, uh, you know, reach out to you, have a conversation, talk a little bit, consume your content a little bit more? Uh, wh where, where can they reach out to you, bud? 
Yeah. Uh, I, Instagram is my, my favorite place. Coach Vikram Diol, um, coach V I K R A M D E O L. I have a podcast as well. Uh, it's called be real with Vikram Diol. And it's just, it's just real conversations like what we're having right now where people share their, you know, sometimes it's not so much of the journey that they're going through. It's something that can help my audience at the moment with, you know, overcoming a business challenge or a mindset challenge. Um, but if you, if you jump on Instagram, that's probably where you'll, uh, you'll actually get a response from me. Um, everywhere else in the world is just noise to me and Instagram, D Instagram DMs seem to be the spot right now, which I can manage, um, effectively. Right on, right on. And guys, that, that uh, those links will actually be in the description below so you can take a look at that. And then before we let you go, man, and again, I really appreciate you just being on here and just being very vulnerable, sharing some really good tidbits and a lot of bombshells, explaining, you know, obviously how to how to focus, how to develop SOPs, how to develop systems and delegating that responsibility and and just driving, uh, being uh, perseverant. Uh, but is there any last words of wisdom that you want to share with our audience, bud? Yeah, you, you guys, we are all put here for if you, if you're not driving or if you're not, you know, on a bicycle where you can't do this, just take your hands and put them over your heart. Like just right in between your, 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 uh, your chest and feel the blood and feel the heartbeat and just realize that you were put here for something great. Like if you think about all the activity that just happens in your own body that you have zero control of over, I mean, nobody tells you to blink. Nobody tells you to drink water. Like that's, that's your body telling you to take care of itself. If you just put your hands over your heart for a couple of minutes a day and just realize like how powerful you really are and that you were put here for something great. Maybe it's to make a lot of money, but why are you here to make a lot of money? Like, what is that money going to allow you to do for your family, for your community, for people, right? Is it because you want to feed a million people? Is it because you want to clothe a million people? Like what? what is the reason that you want to make that money? Cause I'm all about making money and don't get me wrong. Like, you know, for the, for Christian season, I got, I got my, my Panerai and my Cartier hanging on my wall and they're my bikes, right? Like they're not, they're not inexpensive, but what else are you doing with the money? Like, what are you, what's your purpose here on life? And, you know, sometimes what we do is when people aren't fulfilled, you know, like some of my clients that are making 500 to a million dollars and they, they're kind of lacking that fulfillment. I say, what are you doing to mentor others? What are you doing with this money that's sitting in the bank? Like, cool, you got a bunch of Bitcoin, like, but what, what's the purpose of having all this stuff, like this big house? Like, what is it, what is it hiding, right? I used to say in 2018, we're all wearing a mask and then now it literally, like, let's unmask ourselves. And like, now literally I'm telling people unmask yourself in 2021, like we're, we're hiding and it's, people are so excited to hide because then they don't have to deal with the truth. But the truth is, is that you're a beautiful soul and you were put here for a beautiful reason. And when you allow that reason to come out and share openly and freely, and you allow yourself to be in tune with yourself, you get to do amazing things and you get to help other people, which is really like, and my purpose is the only reason why we're here is to help make the world a better place one soul at a time. Definitely. Definitely. Well, guys, that is Vikram Duel. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Until next time, guys, this is Journey with Christian D. Evans. Cheers. Appreciate it, man.